listener, have you recently hit difficult workplace hurdles despite a dope-ass resume? It's hard to be happy when we're unhappy in our careers. And those of us who constantly compete with ourselves to be better, whose pride and identities are inextricably tied to achieving, feel it particularly bad when work stops going well. Who are we if we're failing to live up to the expectations we set for ourselves? If this scenario resonates with you, Happy High Achiever is here to help. Courtney Bryan, HHA's founder, started the company to provide support and resources for high-achieving employees who hit professional obstacles, a snag, if you will, often for the first time. Interested? Want to get better at what you do? Want to get through those very last obstacles to success? Check out happyhighachiever.com backslash upzones to learn more, join the newsletter, and access a special Friends of the Pod rate on coaching packages today. Our sponsor is Happy High Achiever, and this is up zones. Things are changing. You have to elect yourself daily. Things are changing. Things are changing. You can't say it, but you know it's true. You elect yourself. Things are changing. You elect yourself. You elect yourself. Happy Monday, team. Welcome back from the weekend. I'm counting down my sojourn into the lands of my ancestry in Michelle's, Cuba and Spain. Heading out next week. It's going to be pretty cool. But for now, we got a couple more shows to put out. And I had the good fortune to speak this week with Amanda Finney, who's a long-term former political operative in the southeast U.S., who now works in communications here in Seattle for Microsoft. Uh, we had a great conversation, actually. She was pretty thrilled to come to the bookstore. I love when, you know, you kind of can't get, you ever have one of those meetings, you know, you can't get it right and you, it's either canceling or you just can't get the timing right and then you finally land it and it's totally worth it, right? Whether it's a, it's a sit down with a friend or it's work related or it's a date or whatever it is, those are always great. And this that's what this was. We just, we had a blast. And, you know, we, we talked, she had this special perspective i think because she was a state director for the hillary rodham clinton campaign in 2016 after a bunch of experience in prior campaigns including obama for america where i also happened to be a co-worker of hers she had some just good thoughts about even this concept of rigging the system um and or this idea of, of how leveraging power to your benefit which by the way is human and not necessarily wrong or evil or anyway we create a we create a set of rules so even if you do think it's wrong and, and even if you're sort of a postmodernist and you you take the position that all uh leveraging of power ever is just morally wrong um we do have a structural kind of system of rules and regs uh right so so we just had this really interesting conversation about what the idea of rigging the system even means so that was kind of cool and, and at the end of the day i think you know, if I had to summarize her position, I'd say she thinks it's just people feeling left out. And as someone from semi-rural South Carolina, she has a great perspective on on that, especially if you take that left out feeling to its necessary conclusion, which is about a big city, small town divide, or perhaps a cosmopolitanism versus locality divide. Um, I did sort of call Trump the first true local president since William Jennings Bryant. But I think it's Truman. I think Harry Truman is, is, is really the guy. But if you remember, he was sort of a compromised VP and then his boss died. 
So in terms of presidents who actually ran and got a lot of votes uh, the first time through, that probably would still be William Jennings Bryant. But but yeah, you know, right now we're in a part of the uh, of the arc of history in the United States where th- that is one of the bigger divides: this cosmopolitan versus tribal or or local or hometown. You know, I'm trying to think of a word that's neutral. I, I'm on one side. I, I can't claim not to be, but it's a pretty pitched battle for a lot of folks. And so she just had a lot of thoughts about that. And then, you know, I think she, we just had a great time and you'll hear some familiarity in our voices and our tone. I mean, we've just been friends for a while and, you know, I think it was just good to get someone with her perspective, more of a national perspective, but pitching it in the, in the Seattle context. So enjoy Amanda Finney. Yeah, thanks What's, for coming. No, I'm happy to be. I'm just glad that finally, you know, we were, it was like circles and then I was just, you know. Right, and then your agent called me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you know, I have to keep our own retainer over here. No, um, I've had like, I've had like legit people that, I won't say any names, but like one of their names rhymes with Sman Smavage. <laughs> and like, just like, yes, Dan Sman would love to do the show, then, but like, then like, just silence yeah. for six months and. So uh, I thankfully forget we got... he's here. What What's I forget that? he's here. He's in Seattle. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's like a. He... I know he's like the stranger's the stranger boy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, so funny. But anyway, yeah. So I'm really glad to have you on. So I want to talk to you about Louisiana. Yeah. Like okay, so for background, okay, I, you, you ran the Louisiana effort mm-hmm. for the Hillary Clinton campaign, right? And I'm asking a question that might come across as a little rough. Did she think she was going to win? Louisiana? No, definitely not. And and so my, I guess a little context is I was already down there teaching. So I was teaching first grade when she announced and basically got a call saying, hey, Finney, can you be our state director down there? Because you had, you had been with Obama in, in 2012. Right, yeah, right, right, right. And so friends and 270 strategies basically... Got, For those listening, this is because we're more right, Seattle oriented. Right. That's a, a pretty uh, hip political consultant run by Jeremy Bird, who, yes. who had managed the field efforts for Barack Obama. Right. So they give you a call. Give me a call, and they're saying basically the person that they had in place fell through. Can I do this? And I was like, I mean, sure, but I'm still teaching full time. I think she announced in like. April, maybe? Mm, sounds about right. Sounds about right. 2015 and, or so. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And so basically from April to like July, I was in charge of like her ramp up efforts for Louisiana. So I think it was less about we're going to win, you know, um, but but basically getting people excited. It was very much like having, you know, grassroots events at houses, mm-hmm. you know, talking to kind of like city council people, mm-hmm. but really kind of just getting people on the email listserv, you know, getting people signed up so they would, you know, start receiving those fun emails that we love. Dear friend, you know, donate $5. Yeah. So what was the, I know there was this whole back and forth and there was positive spin, there was negative spin on it, but this whole idea of like what states she was in and wasn't in. And in the early on in the campaign, I remember thinking the Clinton campaign was doing really good work because they sent like organizers to Oklahoma but then you get to the later where, right. where there's all this flack that they took. 
I think not entirely fairly, but uh, all this flack they took about like not going to Wisconsin enough. Right. And how does Louisiana fall fit into that kind of? A, I mean, I don't know if you know that strategy. What they were deciding, or you know, I think it was so early on that they really just kind of wanted to have a point person in all 50 states. Mm-hmm. So there was one of me in every state. I mean, I think even Alaska had... There's not one. There's no uh, other Amanda. There's, well, you know, irreplaceable. <laughs> Thank you. That's what your agent told me anyway. <laughs> um, so I think that it was more just, we want to have someone in place so that when we do start kicking primaries into gear, you know, mm. we have a touch person. Mm-hmm. Someone's been there. Someone is already kind of making these connections. And also I think really the local approach of... Um, someone who lives there is there, mm-hmm. you know, not like we're shipping people in, you know, it was very much like I had already lived in New Orleans for two years at that point. Yeah. Um, I know the city, you know, I knew kind of the ins and outs a little bit more than let's fly someone from DC down yeah. and have Which them can cover cause all it. kinds of cultural problems. Exactly. Anyway. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. so I think it was a good approach. I, you know, I didn't really do heavy field for, HRC, um, Hillary Rodham Clinton is kind of what we kind of call her, Secretary Clinton, but versus when I was doing really deep dive for Virginia in 2012. Well, I mean, that was, was like... That was... Because that's the ultimate purple state. And, absolutely. And it's like every literal vote counts. Such this a different... more about enthusiasm, maybe... I mean, absolutely. Just to put it in a certain way, maybe more of a donor play. Donor yeah. play, as well as, I think, also from like a social perspective, I think that they really wanted people chirping and like getting out the conversation, especially those like first six to eight weeks after her announcement, you know, mm-hmm. especially, um, you know, I think it was trying to get like hashtags were part of my goals and, you know, things yeah. like that wow. like, okay. at every event, like let's use this hashtag, let's use that hashtag. Wow. Um, so it was very much kind of a strategic, just chirping, getting the noise yeah under our feet and, and having it come from us. And you I know think. how to chirp. So, you know, Nobody I, chirps like that. <laughs> that, and that's a gift and a curse, you know, <laughs> it's dangerous. So did you help with the rigging of the campaign or like in that t- other people that were doing the rigging and you were, I was kind of just executing. You it. were executing. I was the executing the rigging. the rigging. Okay. But, but definitely certain hashtags. Like I remember I had like an event with some Tulane students in new Orleans and you know, we were trying to phrase it like, do we want like Tulane for HRC, Tulane for Hillary? You know, those kind mm-hmm. of optics mm-hmm. I got to play with a little bit. But then those were kind of set in place then for, for the 2015 the for the rest of the, yeah. you know, two years. Yeah. On. So that was kind of cool to kind of see, you know, do we want to use Hillary? Do we want to use HRC? Do we want to use um, LA? Like not LA because... LA. LA. But Louisiana. But Louisiana. So things like that, I got to kind of have those conversations. Well, that's important for any organizer of any issue, right? I mean, how are you going to set up the the meme, not in the kind of like Facebook picture sense, but in the true right. sense of like the, the unit of thought of meaning, like what's the meme for my campaign if it's a you know, affordable housing campaign or, or rent campaign or environmental campaign, how it's talked about is like really important. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think the structure of it, because I think, you know, down the line, like, you know, six months later, it can mean very something different than how it was during the ramp up period. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah. if, if, well, yeah, like the Me Too campaign was originally women of color. Right. Like, right. not only are white women the victim of these crimes. Exactly. Very radical Us change. Too. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And to the point where, it, yeah, well, yeah, that's not, I'm not <laughs> expert to talk about that subject. But, um, but I, I'll joking aside about the rigging thing. I, I did want to get your perspective on, 
I got the perspective that, or the, the I should say, I got the impression sure. that sometimes expertise and maybe like a little bit of savvy, which savvy can sometimes be bending, savvy almost by definition is bending rules. Like Bill Belichick is a savvy football coach. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Uh, uh, but 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 savvy and ex- experience were, I think, in some of the public discourse, uh, conflated with. Mm-hmm dishonesty and the word rigging I mean, in particular and i'm curious like what you thought about that as it was happening in real time i know you were not in necessarily like the most hotly contested national uh, general election state but you were there in the primary when that was going on i think hillary won louisiana right mm-hmm. in, the, in the primary right yeah. right so how, how do you see that like what, what that phenomenon like what was your experience of kind of being accused of that if you will well i think so i kind of worked with Hillary in, I guess, two different capacities. So the first, I guess, couple months was in Louisiana. Then I went to grad school. Then I hopped back on and was in Brooklyn at headquarters. Okay. So by the time the primaries kind of got going, I was already back at school. But I think that, I think that for me, because it felt like a one woman show, because it was so early on, it was me just kind of handing out pamphlets and stickers and like meeting it. Doing what you do. Yeah. Homes of, and like, what policies are you guys super interested in and passionate about? It felt not rigging. Um, And, and I think that obviously maybe that changed as the campaign went further on um, and, and the transition of like, okay, what are we actually trying to hit and pivot and goals and targets? And I think Louisiana became less and less, uh, uh, you know, on the tier of like, we need to focus on this. Um, so I, I think that I, I didn't think that it was rigging or I think it definitely was like strategic messaging that we wanted to like accomplish. But I think that oftentimes we, I think it's like a gift and a curse kind of going back to your like expertise. Like we, came up with the slogan, uh, uh, you know, Ida, I think came up with it, a designer in HQ with I'm with her. That was the mm-hmm. slogan, which, you know, we thought was so clever and great and catchy, but then it, I think it maybe left out. People couldn't resonate with that. If you were like a white male in Ohio, yeah. like I'm with her. Like, I don't know if it's the same connotation that I feel towards it. Right. Um, and so I think that in terms of, you know, I think that just in comparison to like Obama 2012, like hope and change and all of these rhetorics were very like general and generic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know. So you think people maybe just had a predisposition to feel maybe excluded from the and then that caused a. Definitely. A, make Putting a cycle with my fingers here. Yeah. 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 I, I think that it wasn't really like, especially from like a social media, like comms front, I think that, you know, you know, women, especially like millennials, you know, were very much like for her or for Bernie, you know? And I think that, um, it was interesting to see those, the Bernie women, whether they came on board or didn't come on board. Mm -hmm. But I think that the, a lot of the rhetoric that maybe we were putting out, didn't feel it felt very like you should vote for her because she's going to be the first woman president. Wow, so, so you believe that you believe that there was a tactical mistake that was made by the campaign. I think, I think there were many 
tactical mistakes made by the campaign. Um, not to point any fingers to anyone. And I definitely was, my pay grade was not high enough to, to be in the room where it was happening. But I never, think... Did never stopped Roger Stone. <laughs> God bless his heart, yeah, you know? Yeah, maybe. Uh, <laughs> I think that, um, you know, I think that me just being in the collective, I think that we really tried to make her scene cool and hip and like, you know, we did... I don't even think it was really publicized because it, you know, was a shot in the dark a little bit. But we did some Apple or iTunes interview with Mary J. Blige interviewing her. Mm -hmm. Mary J. Blige had never done this before. Mm -hmm. You know, I think was very much trying to put on her Oprah hat thinking that she could handle this. Right. Um, and then, you know, the next week we would have done... What's the Zach Gaffinava between two firms? Oh, he, they did do that. Yeah, no, we did. We did all of I these... I thought that one was very clever. It was good. It was very clever. But I think also we didn't tap into enough of like, she's a grandmother. Let's like, yeah. we don't need to make her so cool and hip and like, right. you know, like right. I think that she's a grandmother, like let's make her be a grandmother and yeah. showcase that we all have grandmothers. I think it's, um, it's an interesting time right now to see, especially from like a meme front of like Bernie's, you know, 75 plus, mm -hmm. um, Maxine Waters, you know, Betty White, all of these RBG, all of these like older Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi. Well, she's about 70 now. Absolutely. Yeah. And like when she walked out and did her sunglasses, the internet lost control. Yeah. Um, and I think that there weren't enough moments like that, minus Hillary doing the wiggle shake right. during the debate. There weren't enough moments like that that we played into and tapped into being yeah. like, she's an older woman who's been through a lot you know, has, has definitely her resume of expertise and is like the best person for this job, yeah. but also like we can play with it a little bit more. I think grandma is definitely not a vibe. I would have associated the word with her, with her and uh, I'll opine for a second here. I, I think uh, grandma would have, might've been a very successful uh, attack, yeah. line of attack because, yeah. you know, you think about the, the hardest gangster in the world. He's still afraid of his grandma. Absolutely. Right? I mean, Absolutely. So, that's very interesting. And I think we all have love for our grandmothers, you know, like, yeah. whether they're love like... Love and fear. Right? Love, love and, and fear. fear love yeah. and fear. And I think, you know, whether, you know, I'm from South Carolina, whether your grandmother is still holding her Confederate flag or whether, you know, whatever, yeah. like, you still love her. And, and I think it's it definitely plays into, like, the matriarchal mm -hmm. um, perception of, like, tribes. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think it, there's such a historical context of it that I think we didn't lean into as much. Right. Um, and, and, you know, I think a lot of our, you know, people that were working on the campaign came from Obama land and mm -hmm. came from, yeah. or had been with them from Arkansas days, you know? So that was kind of an interesting contrast of like, they had been in the Hillary camp for 20 years, or you were like an Obama new person. Right. Um, so seeing that relationship kind of work into effect uh, was also super interesting. Um, and then we also had so many new people to the campaign world, which was fascinating to me. People from like Viacom, people from MTV. We had someone from, I can't remember if it was Vogue or Elle magazine, because we were in New York. Yeah. And people really, I think... They wanted to get involved. Wanted yeah. to get involved. Mm -hmm. And and were so inspired because she was going to be the first woman president. Yeah. They were like, let me leave Viacom. Yeah. Like, I want to come yeah. do storytelling or messaging or you know, surrogate work for her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was an interesting dichotomy. So you mentioned South Carolina. Mm -hmm. Let's go back to Finneyland. 
<laughs> Let's go back to day one. Back to the gap. The gap. <laughs> Closing the, the gap. In the words of Kanye. Uh, so, so yeah, what, what, so you grew up there? Grew up in South Carolina. Um, my dad's family, you know, born and, and raised there. My mom is originally from D.C. Mm-hmm. Um, so like D.C., D.C. D.C., D.C. Or like Prince George County. No, DC, 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 Chocolate City. Like two, two, two o two. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, and she, you know, went to Howard and GW. She was like very much a DC girl. Got it. Got um, it. and so I, yes. <laughs> I lived, I lived like six blocks from Howard. Oh, okay. I lived okay. in, I lived in Bloomingdale. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like yeah. My, my, I had a roommate slash landlord. It was oh, like that kind of situation. I love it. Those and are the he was, best. He was, grew up in, in that neighborhood. Okay. Like old African-American family from like generations in D.C. Funny. Anyway, yeah, so she grew up there. Yes, she grew up there and then moved to South Carolina. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it was a, I think I got the best of both worlds because my mom didn't grow up in the South. And so very much raised me as like, there is such a, bigger world than mm-hmm. just South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Like it was a rule when I applied to college, I couldn't go in state. Whoa. She was like, no, you need to get out my of the state. My mom was like, attached those like barnacle polyps to like my <laughs> arm. It was like, you're not leaving. So, <laughs> you're staying. Yeah. Um, and, and then your dad though, was that kind of the opposite? He was more of a, of a homer. Yeah, like a definitely. Kind definitely. Of He's like still living in the same town where he grew up. Okay. And, yeah, okay. definitely. Are they still together? No, not oh, together. Sorry no, it's okay. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. Who's are? Who's are <laughs> really at this point? That's like an anomaly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it was a good, you know, I always think now of like, it's so different going back because I've like lived in New York, lived in New Orleans, lived in Seattle. And it's so, it's hard to go back and see that people don't really think bigger than South Carolina, you know, mm-hmm. like, it's very small town. It's very, you know, everybody. I'll go to the grocery store and end up talking to somebody for two hours that I went to high school with, you know. Um, and this happens sometimes. Uh, every once in a while, there's a puzzle break. Oh. And it just, it's not super, it's not soundproof. So okay. if it's a loud enough group. Yeah. You'll just hear it in the middle of a recording, so I just try to put a stop to it. But anyway, I love it. So you were saying um, you just talk to people for two hours. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and I think that's great, and I love that, and I think it's it's interesting though, of like you know, say that I would have kids not anytime soon, but down the line in your sixties, in my sixties, me and Janet Jackson, you know. That's the plan. Even Demita. Got it. Uh, exactly. <laughs> you know, do you want them to grow up somewhere like in New York or Seattle where it seems so much more different cultures and identities and it's well, not... cosmopolitan, right? That's, cosmopolitan. That's the, almost the very definition of that word. Exactly. Exactly. Or would you want them to kind of grow up in a more, uh, quote unquote, closed environment, more homogenous group but you get a sense of home and place. exactly yeah. but then you can go off to the world and see all of that mm-hmm. um you know i think it's so interesting to some of my like one of my good friends she worked on obama 2012 with me uh, adrian she grew up in new york and like couldn't fathom when we went to virginia she moved to virginia to do the campaign like couldn't fathom that these people were so racist and like you were in like southern so south, i was in like 
Norfolk, Portsmouth, no, Virginia Southeast. Beach, yeah, okay. and very like military heavy yep. presence. Mm-hmm. And she just like couldn't fathom. And like she has um, a Jamaican mother and a, a Jewish father, and you know has always grown up mixed and definitely both worlds. And everyone in New York is mixed, and you know speaking all of the languages. And she just didn't grow up with like slavery at her door. Like we would go on field trips every other day, you know, in yeah, South yeah. Carolina to this plantation or that or the yeah, Confederate yeah. flag or yeah, yeah. and she just and so it, it's almost not you're ignorant, but you definitely Well ignorant, right? I mean yeah. that's not a bad word. I mean it's it's willful ignorance. Yeah. Bad, yeah. So let me tie A and B together here. Right? Okay. So you, so we actually went a little out of order, right? Okay. You're talking about what people wanted to hear and didn't want to hear yeah. in the Hillary 2016 campaign, which sure. you were one of the state directors. And then you talked about this very distinct, which I talk about on this show all the time, this very distinct duality right. of kind of cosmopolitanism versus locality. Mm-hmm. And locality has its charms and benefits. and I mean, charms is dismissive. It has its benefits. Yeah. Um, cosmopolitanism has its drawbacks. Right? Sure. I mean, this is not, um, I, I would say on net, I'm... I'm politically a cosmopolitan type person right. but 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 now tie those two things together right i have a sense that it was in many respects the first of maybe many presidential campaigns between the local candidate and the, or, or what do you want to call it the, the hometown candidate mm-hmm. if you will and the cosmopolitan candidate right i mean right. that wasn't obama romney they're right. both heavy aggressively cosmopolitan in fact most presidential candidates are are absolutely even, even the more conservative uh sort of religious pandering ones sure. tend to be from a certain social set, right? right? This was different. Yeah. And while Trump grew up a billionaire, or anyway, a multimillionaire, because um, you know he's not telling the truth right. about how much money he <laughs> I'm still waiting on those tax <laughs> yeah, returns. Right. Uh, but, but, but he still appeals in a way that absolutely no one since maybe going back to like a William Jennings Bryant, right? Like right. he's the guy, he's the, he screw globalism, screw cosmopolitanism, right. tribe, right? Right. Hometown, right? right? Um and so I'm curious how you think those two, like, what could she have done to to win that war or, or create detente in that war? Like, what, yeah. what what could you guys have done differently? Well, I, I think a lot, I think we did a lot correct. I think it was such, he was such an, he still is, such, there's no playbook for him. You know, like, mm. I, I... I technically wasn't on the comms team. I was under correspondence doing digital kind of storytelling. But, like, I remember days where our comms team would have something in place for, like, you know, GOTV, this stretch. But he would have tweeted something the night before about something. And so then they were like, okay, we have to tweak some things, you know, mm-hmm. so that we're not off script or, you know. Um, and so I think that he there was no strategy for him. It was just, like throwing darts a little bit, which is hard when you do come from such a regimented, yeah. like democratic strategists have been doing this for 30 years. Right. Mostly losing, but anyway. mostly right. right. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I think, I think for sure there's such, I think right now, not even with just politics, I think like healthcare, education, mm. there is such uh, uh, the haves and the have nots in mm. terms of, you know, I think it really goes back to socioeconomics right now, which then ties into race and all of these other things, but of, of local hometown folks in Kansas, in South Carolina, in Louisiana versus, you know, kind of the East Coast, West Coast metropolitan areas. Because I think, you know, 
it's just that's like you wouldn't dare which is awful to say this but like like if i lived in dc right now i don't know if i would send my kids to a public school in dc um but you'd be in your 60s so i would be in my 60s so hopefully i time (laughs) i have money to save right now um but you know i think that that's what it's becoming is is this whole there's we're really like losing the middle class Mm -hmm. and i think i think for for hrc and and the clintons they have been you know kind of in this game for so long i think when when wjc when when president clinton bill clinton ran you know they were from arkansas he was from arkansas he mm. really had this way with the people and i think secretary clinton has been in the game for so long that she maybe that wasn't relatable mm-hmm. anymore to joe blow even though one could argue and i do till i'm blue in the face often uh to my discredit on facebook um <laughs> that exactly exactly who we needed for the tumultuous times that lay ahead in our global economy and global warming right etc etc is someone who's not necessarily someone of the common touch right. but someone who understands like deep right economic and geopolitical nuances right. and understands like how to gsd and I think that, that was, didn't resonate, right? Well, that and that was the thing that was so upsetting. I mean, as you can imagine, like you know, I we were all devastated on election night, Javits and her, all in our pantsuits. Um, and and I think that was the thing that it was like, even if you didn't love her personally, or you didn't feel like one of my best guy friends, a black guy, Kendall, lives in New Orleans. He works in hospital, healthcare, public, uh, healthcare administration. He was like, I mean, I'm like, I'm going to vote for her, but like, I don't feel this, you know, attachment connection towards her. And I think that was the thing. It was like, even if you don't feel that she's the most qualified person that we've ever had. She's been in every position (laughs) other than president. And so it, it, and I think this is something that now is coming up with 2020 people are you know already discussing is like uh Gillibrand for example isn't our you know uh she's not creating these heartwarming speeches and I don't feel this connection and hope and change rah rah since when I hear her speak and like but everybody thinks Beto has that. Yeah. And it's like, Beto is not qualified yeah, right, right. <laughs> to do, you know what I'm saying? Not right, that right. I'm saying Gillibrand is, but I'm just saying it, it, we're in a time now where it's so optics. Yeah. And especially me, I, you know, I work in comms, so I'm part of the reason to blame. But I think it's so showy now mm-hmm. and it's all for show. Mm-hmm. It's like, can you be in a meme? Can you be in a quick 30 mm-hmm. second Twitter video, like how can we grab people's attention because we don't have attention spans anymore, especially, you know, millennials and Gen Z who've grown up with instant Google, instant, I don't know the answer. Let's just, you know. I I like to make this about Seattle. What, what What do you think the average Seattleite can do to be part of the solution to that problem? What would you say if like 10 of your friends were like, Amanda, Finney. (laughs) <laughs> well, who are you <laughs> you know i mean you can't just hector people into reading the new yorker right you know what i mean right. like you you or 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 whatever like das Kapital or whatever it right. is that you, you, you people are gonna 
click through Facebook, totally. right? So what do we do? Right. What can an educated, a lot of my listeners are, you know, college, sure. educated, white collar, interested in urban issues. Like they're, they're good progressives. Like yeah. Center left all the way to the far left. What can someone like that do to not be part of the problem? In right. your opinion, if you were waving a magic wand, what would you say? I mean, I really think that Seattle, from just my perspective, I've only been here, you know, like two years or so, is people are pretty educated, which is good in comparison to like the South or, you know, where people are very kind of with it in terms of it's it's so funny here in the city limits. I'm not going an hour or two outside, but, you know, you'll get when I first got here, they were like, did you vote for Jill Stein? Hillary or Bernie, you know, right. because that's kind of the, it's like, where are you on the, on the, a lot of, lot of libertarians, a lot of libertarians. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I really think that it's, it starts with like local politics, you know, it's like, I, I feel like it was super interesting to watch Washington eight flip um, with Kim Schreier and oh, Dino yeah. this yeah. past yeah. fall, because most local races don't get that much attention and hype unless it's a flippable seat. And so I, I also think that Seattle folks should talk to other friends or family that maybe don't live here and, and start having those kind of like dinner conversations mm-hmm. in terms of changing perception. Because I think, you know, it really starts with like, you know, this is probably an awful example, but I just watched it recently. Vice, you know, Dick Cheney's... Mm gay daughter mm-hmm. maybe or maybe not change his view of lgbt rights or mm-hmm. you know and i think when people aren't affected one-on-one by yeah. it they they um you know it's like out of sight out of mind yeah um that's true and so i feel like for seattle you know there's a lot of money here there's a lot of tech money here um but like so many other parts of the country like are barely trying to get by you know like I'm just thinking of like New Orleans, the number one thing for source of income for the is tourism. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you're not in tourism, like it's you're either, you know, working in a hospital or, um, you know, education system is is pretty big. But it's it's really I feel like people here are are in the little they're in their bubble almost. Yeah. Um, In a different way. In a different way. Yeah. In a different way. And you think there's an obligation I think to, to go back and absolutely and say, hey, stop looking at the right <laughs> the Pepe the Frog memes or whatever. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. I think, I mean, it's 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 very stark. Just like from being here, like marijuana here is <laughs> so different. You know, mm-hmm. um, well, you, what do you mean by that? Just you mean like it's, it's better. <laughs> <laughs> it's legal. It's legal, which was. Like wild for me because yeah. East Coast we are not and Southeast too. Southeast, yeah. I mean, it is still a whole different ballgame. Um, and and you know the trans community here mm-hmm. is you know uh, is very uh, uh, open and and you know very um, uh, prevalent. I feel yeah. like you feel that the the energy and and the impact that they're having, and I think that you know, that is not even a conversation we're having yet in the Southeast, nationally, Southeast. um, You know, so I I think that we often forget when we're here that like, yes, homelessness is a problem here, but like there are so many other issues that like Seattle may be doing right that we could like lend, Mm. lend some expert advice to 
And it starts with your family and your friends. Absolutely. Because that's that's just how it goes. I mean, I, I mean like, everyone has an uncle somewhere <laughs> that you can <laughs> go and blow yeah. up his phone. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen. <laughs> Walls don't work. Okay. Right? Um, right? So, so, very important question for you. Okay. Why the hell are the New Orleans Pelicans in the Western Conference? <sighs> it, what part of New Orleans is in the West? <laughs> I don't understand that. It's baffling. It's baffling. And they, I feel like every time I look up, they're like changing the name of, right. like they were the New Orleans Jazz, then right. they were the Pelicans. Well, then they were, they were the Hornets. The Hornets. Yeah. Right. I like can't keep up. And the, the New Orleans Jazz, you know, they moved to Utah. They and moved. You saw it like City being known for its long history of... Jazz. <laughs> yeah. Especially like African American culture generally. You know, Utah, jazz, that's the place to go. Right. Yeah, it makes so much sense. Mecca of like black Americana, right? Yeah. Makes so much sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, we end uh, every episode with a segment we call If You Care About, You Should. Okay. Fill in the blanks. If you care about, I think, I think if you care about 2020 and this presidential race that's coming up, you really should go local. Okay. Like, I, I think that people get so wrapped up. I mean, including the media and everybody gets so hyped on the presidential that happens every four years. But we don't give the same amount of attention to school board races or city council races. And and I feel like those are almost, if not more, impactful because mm-hmm. it's literally your neighbor down the street that's running. Right. You know, it's literally like the person that you know, is picking up their kid in line with you. Mm-hmm. And so I just think that, like, we we forget and lose momentum on those. Mm-hmm. It's also how you build the bench for, you know, I mean, the Republicans spent a lot, many decades really focusing on those local races, and then they started winning. Exactly. Uh, presidential elections, exactly. right? So, I mean, yeah, it's, it, it's a really good point. And I, and I would encourage that, like, you know, I, I have mixed feelings about the Women's March and all of that, but I, I do think that Trump being in office has ignited the sense of activism Mm -hmm. across the country. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that like, we are, we just, you know, saw with our, uh, with Congress of like the most diverse group of folks. But I I think that like people should run. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. think that Mm -hmm. it should be the millionaires and billionaires of the world. You know, I think that like, it's it sparks something. I think that that is is great. You mm-hmm. know, that's probably the the one great thing that's come from Trump. But yeah, I I yeah. think I hope that that continues. Whatever happens, you know, in twenty twenty, I think that like it doesn't have to be the elite anymore. Like yeah. everybody can get into the conversation. You know, a teacher can run, a nurse can run. Yeah. Um, just because I think that that's that's what we need. That's what we need. Yeah. Amanda, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks, Ian. Always a pleasure. Come on back soon. (laughs) Yes. That was Amanda Finney. Did you like what she had to say? Do her justice by talking to some relatives. Get them over dinner, man. It's time. Our sponsor is Happy High Achiever. Check them out at happyhighachiever.com backslash upzones. Get a special Friends of the Pod discount. All music by the Subcons. Dope opening poetry sample by Anthony McPherson. All sound by me and Naboo. This has been a Cascadia Underground production. My favorite. As always, I'm your host, Ian Martinez. See you next week.